Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash press on and use code press on 25 at checkout for 25% off impress manicure and press on falsies. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Welcome listeners to another episode of the Extra Inch Podcast. My name is Windy and I'm joined by our tactics guy Nathan A. Clark. Hello Nathan, how are you doing? Um, I'm not bad mate, I'm not bad. Yourself? Yeah, I'm alright too. We've had a bit of time to get over the Champions League final defeat, which we watched arm in arm um, at the Fighting Cock Social. It feels like a million years ago now. Um, That hangover the day after was absolutely horrific. I was quite drunk during the match, so my tactical astuteness is not going to be on point when we come to discuss this. Um, In fact, should we just get straight into it? Let's do it. Get it over and done with, and we can move on to some sort of fun stuff. Um, Obviously, the game was not what we expected, because after 24 seconds, everything changed. Um, I mean, is is it worth even discussing the penalty? It was a penalty... It was a correct call for a penalty. With next season's rules, that might not be the case. I think there's some question marks over whether it would or wouldn't be the case. Um, but with this season's rules, rightly or wrongly, that is a that is a penalty. However, when it was first um, shown, I genuinely thought it didn't hit his arm. And I thought it was going to get overturned. And it was only the second time I saw the replay that I, I realised it did hit, it did make contact. Was, were you in the same sort of position? Yeah, well, I only saw the first contact and that was pretty much on his shoulder. I thought, come on. Um, I don't know. There, there is, like you're sort of alluding to, there is a wider conversation to be had about um, deliberately kicking the ball into a player's arm and all that kind of stuff. But it's very hard to have that conversation when it's in reference to your team losing the Champions League yeah. final. So I think that you, you just have to, whatever, you know. Yeah. Of course, of course that happened to Spurs in the Champions League yeah. final. Yeah, exactly. And, I, you know, it had to be Sissoko as well, who to many has been an absolute hero this season. But he's made... In you know, standing in the penalty area with his arm out pointing, he's made the kind of schoolboy error that you No, come on, come on, you can't you you have to let him off. You can't turn this into an opportunity to have a go at Sissoko. I think it was a kind of unacceptable mistake <laughs> but he's been such a hero this year and such a Trojan the way he's just battled on when we've had no other fit midfielders that you kinda of just overlook it. Yeah. Um but yeah, schoolboy stuff. Schoolboy stuff. It's the kind of thing that you, you know you, you should be. You should be training out of players constantly. Um, but it happened, and 
it's just so unfortunate. It, it kind of killed the game, in, in essence. Um, I, I, my memories of the game are very hazy, and I haven't really watched it for obvious reasons. Did anything stand out for you at all? Well, tactically, mm. yeah. So, so I wrote um, a lengthy preview of the game that I was really happy with, I was really proud of, um, and then the game turned out nothing like I said it would be. Um, I yeah, I thought you know, okay, I thought Liverpool would score early, which they did, but I thought that would be because they turned the ball over and I thought that we would adjust and I thought that we would rally late and I thought there'd be lots of opportunities for both sides. And in the end Liverpool sat off us the whole game. Um we couldn't really get the ball into midfield, we just passed it about the back. Um we did create a bunch of sort of what probably in 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 season would be really good counter attack opportunities where it's sort of three v threes and the like, but they all just petered out, and I don't. It's really hard to say for sure if that is um, a fitness thing, a sort of a, an end of season thing where we have three weeks off, and and both these teams use really sort of advanced periodization schemes where we say, okay, we need to be at match fitness between these dates and these dates. Here's how we can absolutely maximise that, and it, they we probably, even though Liverpool were in the Champions League final last season, probably don't account for that in your season planning because otherwise you're planning for a month's worth of fitness that you almost certainly won't need. So yeah, I mean it was a really weirdly paced. Everyone was yeah, everyone was clearly visibly tired, and I think that is the main reason the game was the way it was. Yeah, I think you've nailed it, and I, I kind of I'm quite pleased you said that we created some good opportunities on the counter because we did. We 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 kind of got into the right positions and then lacked the final pass or the final run or failed to stay on side, and it was these little kind of moments that cost us ultimately. And yes, it could have been down to fatigue, mental or physical. It also could have been down to just the occasion. And, you know, it's a huge, huge occasion. It's it's undoubtedly a huge pressure situation, and that does strange things to players. Um, and I felt like a lot of our key attacking players just looked overawed and, and didn't quite know how to handle it. Um, sorry, go on. Oh, just uh, Poch, you know, I remember now thinking back that Ericsson got moved into the number 10 role at mm. some point in the game, maybe half time. I just thought, well, he's the cool hated one and he's the most creative one. Um, and yeah, and then maybe our chances improved slightly, but we still, we weren't, yeah, we still weren't, we still weren't there. Exactly that. But there were plenty of positives. I, you know, I thought some of our build-up play was really good. We looked sound defensively. Uh, we got the ball into the final third pretty well. It's just the final pass that was then lacking. Um, I was very impressed with both Danny Rose and Harry Winks. I thought they both excelled themselves and kind of um, were probably our best players on the night. Uh, which is really pleasing with Winks because he's been yeah. in and out with injury these past couple of months. Um, and it was kind of good to see him perform at such a high level because it kind of gives us that confidence that he can do it again next year, despite his injury problems. So really happy with that. And Rose has had a strong end of the season generally. So again, that's a, that's a good thing, um, as it were. Um, did you enjoy the social? Yeah, it was it, uh, as a whole day, as a complete day, it was... We'll always have that, you know? Yeah. We'll, we'll always have the run. We'll always have the day. It was great to meet up with, you know, a bunch of the Spurs community to, to go for a meal with you beforehand. Um, Tom Foynes was there. Jack uh, to Trunk was there. You know, yeah, it, it was a celebration <laughs> until the game actually started. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally agree. Um, and what was nice is because we had very little expectation or the majority of us had very little expectation it didn't to me it didn't feel too deflating afterwards i kind of shrugged it off pretty quickly 
Um, and from everything I've heard about what it was like to be in Madrid, it feels quite like it was the same there as well. People just carried on having fun, mingling with Liverpool fans. Liverpool fans were actually really great about the whole thing, um, although they could afford to be a little patronising, I guess. Um, sure. But, yeah, all in all, you know, a, a real shame, but huge, huge pride in what Spurs have achieved in the Champions League this season, and let's hope that they can then build on that um, experience uh, in the future. Um, shall we move on? Let's. Let's talk about transfers. So there's a few things to consider here, I think. We can talk a little bit about um, the players we've been linked with, but let's start off with a general uh, talking point about uh, the, the sort of squad rebuild on the whole. So uh, this is a question that came in quite a while ago, but I've been sitting on it because I think we wanted to wait until kind of season's out of the way. And this was from Javad Wabahedi, who said, Maurizio explicitly said in his... Um, in the Premier League show with Gary Lineker that we need to rebuild. To me, this implies he's here for the long haul, which is good. The question is, which areas do we need to rebuild? How much of an overhaul do you envisage taking place this summer? What do you think, Nathan? Um, well, the areas we need to rebuild, we know, because we've been talking about it for two years. It's central midfield and it's fullback, and then there's a, a littering of other places where there's sort of, I don't know, you might call amber light issues as well. Um mm. How much of an overhaul? There's a feeling in the air, isn't there, that that we're in for sort of a backlog that we haven't addressed where surely we must be about to spend a lot because we need to spend a lot because we haven't done. Do you do you match that feeling? Yeah, I saw, I, I feel as though the squad rebuild is also once again partially dependent on how many takers we have for the players that we want to get sure. shot off. And I think there are quite a few of those players that we would happily accept the right offer for. Um, and also it depends partially on the Ericsson and Alvarez situations, which you know, Alvarez situation seems to have got more promising actually over the past couple of weeks, whereas Ericsson less so. Um, there's also a sort of mini rebuild within the development squad, which Spurs have already kickstarted with their announcements around players released and retained. And that then has an impact going forward as well, because we've got an issue with the homegrown quota, which I'll come on to a bit later. But if I just run you quickly through the players that have been released. So we've confirmed the release of Michelle Vorm, who was our oldest player at, at 35. But also Dylan Duncan, Charlie Freeman, Tom Glover, Connor Ogilvy and Jamie Reynolds. Uh, so they... They are players, in many cases, who've been knocking around for quite a while, probably weren't ever going to progress, but we kind of hung on to because we thought they held some value and we could perhaps get a fee for them. That hasn't then worked out, and so they've now gone on free transfers. And we've also not yet confirmed, but have released Fernando Urente, unless something changes and we offer him a contract. Um, Now, you may think that's no big deal, but Urente played over a thousand minutes last season. So in some ways, that is another player that will need to be covered. Those minutes will need to be covered in in some manner. Um, We've we've actually made some signings as well. So we've signed an under 16 goalkeeper um, who's called Isaac Mitten Solberg. Uh, He's joining the academy as a first year scholar. And we've also signed Keon Etet or Etete. I think it's Etet from Notts County, who is a tall striker. He's 17. I suspect that is kind of to help cover with uh, Troy Parrott, presumably stepping up to the uh, under-23 team next year. So he'll be there to help provide a a platform for the under-18s. So there's this this rebuild of the first-team squad, then there's this rebuild as well of the development squad, which is quite interesting as well. Um, we've, We've kept on a few more players so far than I thought we would, but that could mean a change in our loan policy, and it could mean that we send out a few youngsters on loan in order to create some value for them. 
as we have done in the past with the likes of Stephen Corker, Jake Livermore, etc. Um, so, yes, some people will have just totally switched off and I started talking about young players there. So I'll move on quickly. <laughs> I'll move on quickly uh, to a question from Busted Cop, who says, most important areas to improve, fullbacks or central midfield? If you can only prove one area, which one and why? And I think this is interesting because judging by what we've heard in the media, we've absolutely prioritised central midfield. So we've been linked with Tangai and Dombele and uh, Giovanni Lucelso. And I think both are ideal players to bring into our squad for various reasons, which we can come on to if and when they sign. Uh, but it kind of, to me, it shows that the priority is very much in central midfield. Would you? Is that something you'd agree with? And, and would you? Is that the, would you prioritize central midfield over fullback? I think so. Yeah, um, we can sort of get by with Kieran Trippier, and maybe um, Aurea can sort of improve, but central midfield as it is in a best case scenario is still completely changing the way we play so look we need to address both but still there is a hierarchy and central midfield is the priority yeah i think that's fair i think the the fullback issue is going to be one of let's see what happens in terms of bids coming in because sure. we we absolutely cannot sign another right back without first getting rid of one of the existing right backs probably two of the existing right backs and I'd say probably the same at left back. To be honest, you don't you don't want to end up with three left backs like we've had three right backs all season. It's it's not helped. Um, so I think that's probably the rationale behind the the links with central midfield coming first because there are already gaps there. You know, we we've sold Dembele um, and we we hope to sell Wanyama and 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 maybe even one other. Um, but there's a gap there already. I also think that our sort of history of all of our transfers being focused through one man. Just Daniel Levy means that he can only really concentrate or he should really only concentrate on one thing at a time. So he says, OK, let's deal with the most pressing issue, central midfields. And then once we've resolved that, we can relook over our budget and, and everything else and then look at right backs. That sort of makes sense to me. and mm. I th- But that's also the limitation of, of so much focus going through one bloke. Yeah. And, you know, Levy's had a hell of a lot of other issues to deal with this season. So. Yes. You know, it's it's fair to say that this would not have been his absolute immediate priority. So, I mean, that's on him, really, because he's in charge of the structure and he could easily have appointed a director of football or a sporting director or whatever um, to, to kind of do the transfer for him. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, so should we talk a little bit about Ndombele and Lachelso? Are you kind of happy to see them linked? Yeah, yeah. These are, So uh, Lachelso is sort of complicated because I don't know exactly what we want from him whether we're seeing him more as a, a number eight uh or more as a number 10 or probably somewhere in between and whether that is we're looking at in between because he potentially uh offers resolutions to two issues or whether we want to sort of change the tactical structure of our starting 11 based on his inclusion it's sort of hard to guess where we are with that but um Ndombele is like Dembele in both name and style and it's just an obvious it's an unavoidably obvious um transfer and he's 22 so it's very spursy in a way in terms of looking at our previous transfer strategy not so much the last couple of years but um prior to that uh, there's a lot of um sell on value there even if things don't work out perfectly you know he's still young enough to hold value same with Lachelso, and Lachelso is an interesting one to me because although he's totally different to Ericsson in style he he tends to carry the ball a little bit more um he tends to get into the box a little bit more as well I would say from from what I've seen of him um 
he is a different player to Ericsson, but he kind of covers the same areas in the pitch. So he, like you say, he's previously been a free eight. This season he's been a ten. Yeah. Ericsson was the opposite, where he was a ten, and this season he was a free eight. So there's a nice kind of amount of versatility there, which we know Pochettino values very highly. Um, and I, I like his skill set. I think he's he's got a lot to offer. It'd be very different to Ericsson, um, but. There's incisiveness there, and there's also physical strength there as well. Um, yeah, one, he's not one, a pushover. He's not a pushover. One thing you could always say about Ericsson was he he ran the he ran the hard miles, yeah. but he was sometimes a little weak in the tackle, or you you kind of feel like he wasn't dominant physically. Whereas Lachelso is a bit more sturdy. Yeah, he's he, yeah he's not like he's not particularly big or muscular, but he throws himself about quite yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I'd, I'd well, obviously welcome both of those signings, but that's a hell of a lot of our transfer budget gone then. So the other two players we've been linked with are the Sessegnon twins. And this has been a link that's been ongoing for, I mean, the best part of three years now, since they were really, really, since they weren't even, yeah. you know, couldn't even smoke legally. <laughs> um, so everyone knows uh, Ryan Sessegnon. Uh, he's he's a he's been a promising youngster for two years now. He had a breakout season in the championship, slightly less impressive season in the Premier League. He kind of struggled to adapt, but was playing in a poor team. Uh, Stephen, his brother, is lesser lesser known, but a very competent right back who can also play holding midfield if pushed. And I think the fact that they're both being linked is interesting because it kind of to me it implies that we've tracked them through the England age groups because Stephen's not had a lot of exposure to to league football, so. Some fairly deep scouting going on there. Um, do, how do you feel about Ryan Sessegnon? Uh, well, I have an in, I have a, a different take on on being linked to both of them, which to mm. me suggests that it's a bit like, a, oh, well, if you want to sign me, then you've got to sign my brother too, like huh. um, like with the Hazard brothers to Chelsea all those years ago. Right. Um, I think it's one of those. Which you know, again, like with Thorgan Hazard, he's not just some scrub you have to tag along. Like he is a a legitimate talent prospect and everything else. Um, it's just that Ryan Sessegnon is, is the he's an interesting link because like. To me, for, for for my money, I really, really, really like him as a left back. I really want to see us purchase this this outstanding sort of uh, wing back potential player. Who, mm. yes, he can score goals and he can create chances and all that. But if he can do that whilst also putting in sort of the more rounded performance of a left wing back, that's a hell of a player you've got there. Or he could just turn out to be a good winger, and that's fine too. Um, but uh, the thing with that is that we aren't being linked to any other left backs. But we are being linked to other wingers. Which, yeah. Yeah. So that kind of suggests that we're seeing him as a winger and that would be a little disappointing for me. Um, but again, like with Lachelso, it's probably the case that once we've got him in, context will, will decide what happens to him rather than what he is viewed as now. Yeah. And honestly, I, I do feel that one of the things Poch will like about him is his versatility. We, yeah. We've said it so many times that that is such a big factor with, with Poch. You know, Rose being able to play central midfield you know we might disagree with <laughs> with that to, to a degree, but, but Pochettino thinks it's a, a viable option um the fact that Sessegnon Ryan Sessegnon can play left back left wing back left wing right wing um is exciting and, and gives opportunity and it means you can be a bit flexible on the pitch during games if needs be um the, the other thing I like about it is um We've not had twins at Spurs in a while. Uh, next year in the academy, the first year academy scholars, we are going to have twins, Michael and Matthew Craig. And so we might end up with two sets of twins at, at Spurs, which would be quite incredible at one time. I, I would enjoy that fact. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, very niche there, uh, but it's a thing. Um, 
So let, let's let's talk a little bit about um, the kind of former approach to transfers. And we have a question from Russ Green, who is uh, Russ Green eight on Twitter. He says, "Is the key to keeping Poch giving him a couple of new proteges to mould? If so, who would be your top three under twenty recommendations that aren't already at the club?" And we've kind of, kind of gone different routes on this. So um, I'll let you start actually with the kind of the championship, the football manager um, route, which I, I find exciting. So yeah, go for it. So, so rather than be sort of vaguely realistic or look at homegrown talent, I just wanted to sort of pop out three names who are, you know, three of the biggest under 20 year olds in the world. So Martin Erdegaard, which many of you will be familiar with, who uh, is contracted with Real Madrid, uh, was on loan in the Eredivisie last season. I think he had an, an amazing season there. Uh, it'd be interesting to see um, whether Real Madrid keep him to play him in the first team next season or send him out on loan again. I think Ajax were looking at a sort of a um, a buy to sell back sort of situation. Uh, there's Michael Cuisance, I think that's pronounced right, the French um, midfielder who plays for, uh, I think, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, and then there's Yao Felix, um, who, if we sign him, we'll have to get Thiago on to tell you much, much more about him. Um, I am... I can't say too much at the moment, but I am going to have more content on uh, young talent soon. Mate, from experience, I can tell you you're um, letting yourself, you're opening yourself up to a whole world of uh, pedo tweets. Oh, yeah. No pedo. Yeah. Yeah. Get that in there early because I've lived with that for, for six years now. Um, it's, it's, it's It gets repetitive. <laughs> it gets boring. Does it grind you down? It, it doesn't grind you down. You just like sort of roll your eyes. Like, yeah, be more inventive. Um, <laughs> where does Delict fit into your list? Uh, oh God, is he not twenty yet? He's yeah. nineteen. Uh, Jesus Christ! Yeah, he's wow. He, Do you yeah. think he's, you think he's going to go to one of the the super clubs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it looks like it's the latest news suggests that he's turning down Barcelona and going to PSG. Right. Uh, for whatever reason, I think he's claiming that there's football reasons, but then the suggestion is that actually it's more financial reasons. Um, but yeah, whatever. He's he's absolutely obscene. He um, is brilliant. What a player. Yeah, yeah, he's 19, and I think he's already one of the best centre backs in the world. And and do you know what? Yeah, I, I genuinely, I think he'd be good for sort of five to ten goals a season from set pieces as well. Absolutely, which is just insane. Yeah, yeah what what a player. Um, so to to kind of bounce off Nathan's uh, Galacticos, Galacticos, <laughs> I've gone for uh, more British youngsters who I think are definitely achievable as signings. Um, but these are players that we probably need to loan back for a year or perhaps longer in the hope that they become something in the future. A bit like we did with Delhi when we signed him and loaned him back to MK Dons. Um, so the first one is Jack Clark of Leeds, who's quite well known now. He didn't end the season very well, actually, Clark, but he's clearly got <laughs> uh, bundles of talent. You saw him play. Yeah, so I saw him play against Brentford. Uh, so John McKenzie, Leeds fan, bought me a ticket to go watch uh, Leeds play at Brentford at the end of the season and um, it was a, an abomination of a performance from Jack Clark. He, so he came on and he played on the right wing, which is where John and I were sat and he essentially just received 10 passes and miscontrolled the ball 10 times and that was his entire game. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of abnormal for him. He's a, he's a very kind of um, direct, tricky winger Yeah, who wants to hit the touchline and then cut the ball back and I really like that. Or get a shot away. You know, he's a, he's a young man, but he's very confident and he's happy to take shots on. 
Um, and I kind of like his positivity. And the, the thing is with those kind of players, they can become Nathan Redmond and just not fulfil potential. But they can also become Raheem Sterling. So if you get them on the right track, I think I think with Clark, there's a lot of potential there. And um, I'd like to see us take a chance on him and, and get him get him out on loan to a lower Premier League club and see what happens. Um, so number two is, is slightly lesser known, is um, Eberreche Easy or Eze, for QPR. As attacking central midfielder who, again, is a free eight really, but has played as a ten. And I am a f- big fan of his style. He likes to get the ball down and run with it. He's very aggressive in his um, on-ball pl- with his on-ball play. Um, k- commits defenders. Is physically quite dominant also. Uh, and I think there are big things to come from him. I think he, to me, he looks like he could play for a bigger team already. Uh, but I'd be happy for us to sign him and loan him back to QPR for the first half of the season. Uh, he, so he's someone who was on loan at Wickham. Um, and I think it was when they were in League Two. And he absolutely tore the opposition apart and was their best player sort of match after match after match. And then got taken back by QPR and went back into their first team. And eventually kind of drifted out of their first team and, it, and I think in a way in a strange way he's too good for their other players they're trying to play too direct he needs to, the, the game to go through him if that makes sense um, but yeah he's a player I really like I've seen him for the England under-20s also and he's always stood out to me as an impressive player so be happy for us to take a, a punt on him and the third and final one is Tom Bayliss of Coventry who's another midfielder who can play at 8 or 10 probably better as a Probably better as a 10. He's a, he's a schemer of a player. It reminds me a little bit of James Madison. And I like the cut of his gym. I like the fact that he takes the ball on the half turn. He's got good vision. Um, he's quite small, but he's uh, sort of diminutive with it and gets away from, from challenges. And I think he's destined for fairly big things. And I, I'd like to see us... Uh, again, take a gamble and get in there early before other clubs do. You know, what the thing that happened with Madison was we watched him, we watched him, we watched him, and then he went to Norwich. And if, mm. and then he went to Leicester, and we didn't even get in the Norwich thing. And I kind of sort of think with Spurs sometimes, these are cheap gambles, just do it. Just do it. And, and one of the reasons for that is we have got an issue with homegrown players in our squad. So, um, we we all know now that you have to submit, or you don't have to submit. You you are uh, you can submit up to twenty five players in your first team squad over twenty one, and if you do that, seven of them have to be homegrown. And Spurs are now at a point where a lot of our English players have left. Kieran Trippier might leave this close season, and we could do with adding a couple of British players to the squad to stop this becoming an issue. I mean, it's fine if you've got lots of players under 21 who you're willing to, to keep in the squad, but there comes a point where they hit that cutoff and they have to be named. Um, so, yeah, that these players would all help with that in the long term, I think. So um, so there we go. We've kind of covered both bases there, haven't we, Nathan? I think so. And I, 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 do, I did enjoy that period that Spurs had where we would go and sign young English talent and then watch it shine. So the likes of Huddleston, Kyle Walker, uh, Michael Dawson... Even Norton was sold on for profit, so you, you can't kind of sniff at that. I think Rose probably comes into that um, that grouping as well. There was a, there was an enjoyable period there where it felt like we were just kind of snapping up the hottest talents, loaning them out where appropriate, and giving them chances where appropriate too. So there we go. There's a there's a bit of transfer chat for you. Um, of course, if we were to sign anyone, we would unlikely, be, yeah, because we don't do that. Uh, we we'd be we'd be back in your ears talking about the signings. Uh, but we'll leave it there for now 
and we'll, we'll get Bardi in uh, when we when we sign our first player, and we'll do some analysis of, of that player and and talk about how they might fit into the squad. Um, hope you've enjoyed that little sort of mini uh, roundup of what's happening so far, um, and we'll be back very soon. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Oh, that was really interesting, mate, yeah.